for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you've stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review about your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by giving online at believerschurch.tv. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We're located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you, guys. 14 years ago, 14 years ago, almost to the day, I had a very close friend pass away. And it was... Uh, very difficult for a lot of us that were, that were close to him, but as you can imagine, it was more difficult for his, his parents than anyone else. You can only imagine, 25, 25 years old at the time. One outcome of my friend's death was that his dad developed a closer and more intimate relationship with God after his son had passed away. Sometimes we see that work the other way, in which a person develops more distance. But in this case, my friend's dad did develop a closer relationship with God, and he explained this to me, and we still talk regularly. Uh, we, we talk often, especially since I've moved home. So an obvious question that we have whenever we think about this is, the dad comes closer to God, but... Why did it have to happen this way? You know, why would the greatest, the greatest horror, the greatest tragedy that most of us could imagine, some of you probably have experienced before, why did it have to happen this way? There are a million ways, literally, that God could work to get our attention. There are tons of things that God could do to open our eyes to the importance of a relationship with Him and where we need to be. Why did God work this way in this particular situation? Or, to get a little bit deeper with this, with some of the questions that I've had and some of the questions that you guys have had, and some of the questions, quite frankly, that some of you listening online or that you're in the room right now have today. Why does God seem to choose pain? Why does God seem to choose suffering? And why do things have to be so confusing? Why is it that we anticipate life working a certain way, the outcome of things being a certain way, yet the way that God actually ends up working is so confusing and bewildering and difficult to us? Today we are in the fifth part, so we're halfway, all right? We're in the fifth part of a 10-week series titled Out of Egypt, in which we're studying the mass exodus of God's people from Egypt and into the promised land. We are approaching today, your reading was Exodus 5 through 10, a lot more reading than what we have had, but one thing that we're approaching is one of the more popular or well-known parts of the story, and that is the, the plagues that are going to go across Egypt that God is going to send upon the land. Today, we are going to mention the first nine plagues in a very general way, and then really focus on the tenth plague in part six next week. 
So even though the plagues are a very central part of this story, and in kids' lessons, and when we go back and look at the Exodus, it's something that we talk about a lot. It's something that we're just going to kind of scathe over today and look at in a very general sense. The most important thing that I want us to focus on today is what I'm going to call the God behind the curtain. All right, I know this sounds very mysterious and exciting in a lot of ways, but some of you right now in your life, in the difficult moment that you're going through, and as we see the difficult reflection that both Moses and Aaron are going through in our story today, you are dealing with this God that you can't see, that you can't understand, that you can't feel, that you can't know, that seems to be doing some very bizarre, very strange things that seem to be hurting you a lot more than they are actually helping you. As Moses and Aaron move forward in obedience, there is little they understand about the methods that Yahweh or God is using to fulfill the plan. Similar to the death of my friend and the experiences that some of you are going through in your life right this second. I have a feeling that we have some people in this church that are deeply committed in their relationship with God. It's something that's very important to them and hopefully something that is central to them. We also have individuals in this, in this church right now, as well as people listening online and that will listen later, that serving God and following Jesus and all of these things are very important to them. But like myself, you are just completely confused and perplexed about God working the way that God works. If it gives you any peace whatsoever or any comfort, I can share with you that this is something that I struggle with in the past and something that I've struggled with as recently as last week. Keep in mind, if you were here at the time, earlier in the summer, we actually did a series on doubt in which we talked about the kind of doubt that we walk through, emotional doubt, intellectual doubt, these different kinds of things that we walk through that are, that are obviously very difficult. All right, so one thing or two things that we can say for certain, and we've hit on this just a little bit already in the series, it's these two things right here. Everything that you are going through is going to be to bring you the most good and to bring God the most glory. Everything that you're going through, and you're saying to yourself, well, if someone's child passes away, if someone at a young age all of a sudden has a chronic illness, if I've just heard this horrible news about my child or about my job, if my marriage looks like it's about to end, there's no possible way that that's true, Matt. There's no possible way that God actually works in that way. Well, sometimes you have to get on the other side of what's going on in order to see what this work actually looked at. And this is what you do. And this is the amazing thing to me in my life at this stage right now. This is the most amazing thing about God that I can say. Whenever I am able to look back, what is it that Kierkegaard said? Life is to be, under, uh, life is to be experienced going forward, but it's to be understood looking backward. All right, so if, as I'm able to look back on some of the chronic, difficult moments that I've been through, I've said to myself, man, 
If I would have been in the driver's seat or I would have been able to handle and been able to choose every outcome of that situation, there's a very good possibility that I wouldn't even be in a relationship with God now. So it's as if God does all of these things, and whenever you look back, the only thing that you can really say is wow. All right, so there is no difference in the story that we're going to see today and recognize about this mysterious, my goodness, this mysterious work of God, this God behind the curtain that we just will, in some ways, never understand until we're on the other side. Exodus chapter 7, we're going to go back to the middle of where you guys were supposed to read last week. Exodus chapter 7, we're going to look at the first 13 verses, all right? So this is not the scripture on the plagues. It's, it's, in fact, it's, it's right before that, but this is a very important passage nonetheless. Exodus chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. We are in the Common English Bible, if you want to look up here, but as I hear those page turning, pages turning in the room, it's a wonderful sound. You can look it up on your phone, however you want to follow. Exodus chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. The Lord said to Moses, See, I've made you like God to Pharaoh and to your brother Aaron, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You will say everything that I command you, and your brother Aaron will tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites out of the land. Keep in mind that Aaron is the mouthpiece. Aaron is the primary speaker. But I'll make Pharaoh, this is so weird. This is so bizarre, and there is so much controversy over this passage right here. I will make Pharaoh stubborn, and I'll perform many signs and amazing acts in the land of Egypt. When Pharaoh refuses to listen to you, then I'll act against Egypt, and I'll bring my people, the Israelites, out of the land of Egypt in military formation by momentous events of justice. Then, I'm sorry, the Egyptians will come to know that I am the Lord when I act against Egypt and bring the Israelites out from among them. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 80, Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Do one of your amazing acts, then say to Aaron, Take your shepherd's rod and throw it down in front of Pharaoh, and it will turn into a cobra. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded again. Aaron threw down his shepherd's rod in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it turned into a cobra. It turns into a snake. His walking stick turns into a snake. Then Pharaoh called together his wise men, his wizards, and Egypt's religious experts, and they did the same thing by using their secret knowledge. Each of them threw down theirs, and they turned into cobras. Be very careful, because sometimes darkness looks like light. All right, pay very close attention. But then Aaron's swallowed up each of their rods. However, again, critical part, very confusing, Pharaoh remained stubborn. He wouldn't listen to them just as the Lord had predicted or just as the Lord had said. All right, so one thing that, is going to, that we're going to do today is to reveal a bit of the mystery that we see behind the character of God. You really need to understand this mystery as you go forward. So what God does is God demonstrates his strength and his sovereignty through the stubbornness of Pharaoh. It is not enough for God to simply bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, just like it's not enough for God to just in a very, very simple way solve our problems. He also wants to provide a resounding picture of his sovereignty and of his strength so that we can experience his fullness. Verse 3 I'll make Pharaoh stubborn, and I'll perform many of my signs and amazing acts 
in the land of Egypt. Why in the world is he going to make him stubborn? God begins to perform these acts through Moses and through Aaron, but most importantly, we see the further development of a plan that we don't understand, all right? And that Moses and Aaron, to all of their credit, for their leadership and obedience up to this point, also don't understand. Verse 13, Pharaoh remained stubborn. He wouldn't listen to them just as the Lord had said. So this hardening of Pharaoh's heart, again, is one of the most perplexing parts of Scripture. Depending on the theological tradition that you come from, if you've been in Christianity long enough, there are different viewpoints on what the hardening of Pharaoh's heart or the continued stubbornness of Pharaoh's heart actually means. So for just a second, let's nerd out and just just jump into this for just a second, okay? So the hardening of his heart. It seems that he is coercing Pharaoh to do evil that he wouldn't do otherwise. All right, so Pharaoh would have never made the decision. Pharaoh would have learned his lesson, but God just continues to make him stubborn. The Hebrew word hazak and you have to forgive me, I don't have that really good Hebrew, Hebrew hack-in-the-throat sound, all right, so I'm never going to be able to do it as well as some people. But Hazak is translated to harden in English. It does not carry the same connotation in Hebrew as it does in English. Hazak, what it generally means, is to encourage, to strengthen, to repair, to fortify, To assist, what God is doing is giving Pharaoh the courage to go forward to do what he already wanted to do. 55 references outside of Exodus are used for this word, and this is the only time that we have the example of the word harden. So there is so much that God does through this process that we simply don't see Or we simply don't understand. We know that eventually, if you've read a little bit further, or if you know the story, that they are going to exit Egypt. They are going to start on their journey. The cloud, the fire, the burning, I'm sorry, the the Red Sea, the complaining. All of these things are in the future. But right now, they're still in a place that they're stuck. And they really don't understand why they're stuck. Some of you in here right now, in your marriage in your job, in a situation with a friend, in, a, in something that you're struggling with, and events happen, like what I mentioned with my friend, and there is just a deep state of depression and angst and these horrible emotions that are going on, you're stuck and you really don't understand why you're in that place. I am telling you why today. It is so that God can demonstrate his sovereignty and his power in your life. Because if you get through something on your own, instead of thanking God, you might accidentally take some of the credit yourself. You have to go through a process in which you understand what I'm going through is the work of God. And even though it's difficult, this is something that I have to journey through and it's something that I have to work through. You guys want to know something distracting? That pole right there. That pole right there is really, really distracting. I don't like to look at it. 
And right now where Debbie is seated, she probably can't see things very well. When you guys are sitting on the edges, I promise I'm going somewhere with this, okay? When, when you're seated very close to the edges, you probably can't see very well. So I talk every single Wednesday, almost every single Wednesday, to members of the band and of the tech team, and we talk about this stupid beam or brace or pole or whatever you want to call it and how the new things that we want to do with the stage, some of the things that we want to set up and develop, this pole is in the way. We've even talked about the fact, what if we move the room around and had the stage over there? No, we probably don't need to do that because we're not going to have enough width in the room, people close enough to the stage. I've looked around, I've thought about things, and I'm like, well, the pole wouldn't be in the way if we set things up that way, but then we would have this problem. Anyway, so we viewed the pole as a problem. Some of them are probably laughing right now. But as I was walking out of my office one day, I looked at this pole, and I thought about it just a little bit differently. This pole is a distraction, This pole is annoying, but you know what God told me? This pole's holding the room up. We don't have a place to worship. We don't have a place to be if we're using this building. If it's not for the pole that is right here, please hear me. What if the affliction, the pain, the confusion... The annoyance or the distraction that you feel is actually holding you up. What if what you are going through in your life, you're never going to look at this poll the same. What if what you are going through in your life, what if the difficulty, the doubt, the insecurity, the depression, all of the issues, you need those there for this season. You need them there for this time. It's not a distraction, it's not confusion, it's not annoying. It is the work of God, and if it wasn't for that, you'd be going and doing your own thing. It is holding you up. It is actually providing the stability and the safety for the case of us in this room so that we are able to worship. And it is doing the exact same thing in your life. One day, when you gain some maturity in your spiritual life and you get away from the good, fuzzy feelings, you're going to recognize that your pain And your misery is your blessing. And until you get to that point, I don't know what to tell you. You see, the fact of the matter is, if we really want to get down to this, Moses and Aaron, they weren't prepared. He said yes at the burning bush. He still had a tremendous amount of doubt. But God knew that before they took this journey, they need to recognize and understand and submit to the sovereignty and authority and power of God in their lives. And this is what happens through the experience of the plagues. Also notice that God reveals his power as greater than other powers. There are other forms of power in this world, in this ancient era, and today. And we have competing powers in our lives All of the time, money, politics, physical relationships, trying to overpower and control those that are around us on a regular basis. God needed to make sure through the chaos, through the confusion, through things that they could not see or understand while still in Egypt, that they were ready 
to go forward. Because you know what? They're going to know, and we're going to see this in a few weeks. These people, they're really going to complain. These people are going to make life for Moses and for Aaron and for the elders really, really difficult. So this is a moment of preparation, yet they cannot see that in any way. Fast forward a little bit down the road. It's all going to make sense whenever they're able to look back in this direction. And this is where some of you are in your headspace right now. This is where some of you are in your relationship with your kids. This is where some of you are because you simply cannot understand this tragedy that's just occurred. This is where some of you are because of uh, where you might be in your marriage. All right, this is where a lot of us are. This is what the passage tells us in verses 10 through 12. This is how God reveals his power. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord had commanded. Aaron threw down his shepherd's rod in front of Pharaoh and his officials and turned it into a cobra. That has to be so cool. You know, that, and I'm scared to death of snakes, but I'd like to see that. All right, so that has to be cool to be able to witness that and see what that looks like. But then Pharaoh called together his wise men and his wizards and his... Uh, Egypt's religious experts, and they did the same thing by using their secret knowledge. Again, be aware when darkness masks itself as light. Each one of them threw down his rod, and they turned into cobras. But then Aaron's rod, the power of God, manifested before them, swallowed up each of the other rods. Now, despite this, despite this, things get even more confusing. God still must send nine plagues amid Pharaoh's stubbornness. Here's what they are. Blood, frogs, lice, wild animals, pestilence, boils, hell, locust, Darkness, that's the first nine. You would think that as your people and your nation go through this, that you would grow through this stubbornness and learn something, but it didn't happen. So this begs a question, and this is the kind of question that we would ask in our nice little needing details, needing logic, needing understanding world. Why didn't God just send the Israelites immediately by force, or make Pharaoh turn his heart away from stubbornness sooner than later? Why is it that these things had to happen? Why is it in your life that God is having to lay it out this way that is so incredibly difficult? Let's just be real for a second. And I'm not basing this on personal conversations that I've had with any of you. This is just the presence of God speaking through me in this moment. Some of you that are in this room right now, some of you that are listening online or will listen later, you're barely hanging on. And you are asking, where is God? Why is God not rushing down from heaven and rescuing me in the way that God has rescued me in the past? I wish with anything in me, with everything in me, 
that I could give you the answer to that question. But the only thing that I can tell you, and I know how cliche and generic this sounds, but we must trust God through what we can't understand. It sounds so generic and cliche, you could have finished my sentence for me. But it's the truth. And I want you to look at the actions of Moses and the actions of Aaron in verses 6 and 10. Moses and Aaron did just what the Lord commanded them. I mean, Moses had to have said at some point, please, after plague number three, soften this man's heart. Make things easier. Make it so that we can travel through this and go. But if you don't, I am going to do exactly what you've told me to do. I am going to continue to walk through this because the God that I saw show up in a bush, a burning bush, is the same God that is here in this moment right now. And then verse 10. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded them. Obedience over and over again. I wish I could explain whenever parents sit down to talk to me, the loss of a child or their children. I wish I could tell you why you lost your job, as, as some of you are in a situation right now in which that could happen, or it maybe even happened this week. I wish I could tell you why the depression or the sickness that you have won't go away. I, I really wish I could give those answers. I wish I could tell you why he left you or she left you. I'd give anything to be able to provide those answers. I wish I could tell you why 10 plagues, including widespread death, was necessary. I wish I could tell Moses that. I wish I could give him that. But I can't. And the only thing that I can tell you of any value this morning is this. What if the affliction, the pain, the confusion, the annoyance, the distraction that you feel is actually holding you up? You don't like that. You don't want to look at that. But what if it is the only thing that is holding you up? Moses and Aaron were getting ready to step into the most difficult stage of their life. They will soon, I promise, be leading the Israelites out of Egypt. But God had to make sure they were ready. God's not going to take somebody that's halfway ready. God is not going to take someone and use someone that is still going to cling to their way through everything they go through. You know, this may seem very, very hard for some of you to believe. when Because it's, it, praise God, God is good, God is wonderful. All these wonderful emotional feelings. But for some of you, let's just be really honest. Whenever it gets down to the bare bones of your faith, 
it's really, really hard for you to believe that God knows what he's doing. And I guess that's one of the hardest places that all of us face. I'd love to stand up here and say I'm super spiritual, man, and I have no issues. But these are the same kinds of questions I ask every single day of my life. And the truth is, on some days, multiple days, multiple times throughout my day. All right, so here is what they need to learn, Moses and Aaron, before going forward. And here, this is, but you know what, today, this is for you. All right, Moses and Aaron... Long gone, they did their work. This is for you today. What is it that you need to understand before going into your own wilderness? Please don't miss this today. Two things. The first is this. Sometimes God is not in the details. He's in the abstractions. And this is what it means to talk about the mystery of God. We don't talk about this enough in Protestant circles about the mystery of God, the hiddenness of God. You know, there's another part of, of, of Scripture, I think it's in Exodus 33, where, Moses turned, where God turns his back on Moses. Martin Luther actually calls that the backside of God, when God turns his back on us so that we're in a situation that feels like darkness, it feels like we're lost. You see, we want the details. We want a plan. Okay, Jesus, well, if I'm going to follow you, if I'm going to trust you, if I'm going to do this, I need to understand X, Y, and Z. I need to understand evidence through the life of my family. I need to understand evidence through all the difficult things that I'm going through. But often God is not in the details where you want him to be. He's in the abstractions that you can easily miss if you're not paying attention. Too often we are looking for God in what we can see when God is to be found in what we cannot see. Did you know that I believe firmly because I've experienced it? That I've experienced God in my life through strangers that I'd never even met prior to to meeting them one time. That people have said things to me in passing when they didn't even know it was the work of God in their heart and in their life. And it hit me like a ton of bricks and I was like, God, I was supposed to pay attention to that. No, we want to see God in all the details. We want to see God and our kids coming home right away, telling, them, telling us how much we love them, that we forgive them, there's no problems. We want the reconciliation of our marriage right away. We want whenever we go see the doctor or whoever it is that we see, we want, we want the answers right in that moment. Those are the details. God often works in the abstractions. You see, the details would have been a clear path. All right, this is the direction. Go west until you hit Canaan. Go west until you hit the promised land. No abstractions left and right so that God could work through and change both Moses and Aaron, eventually Joshua. The story goes on and on. The second thing is this, okay? Sometimes our greatest complaints and our greatest pains and our greatest confusion and annoyance and all those things are the very things holding us up. You pay attention to your darkness. You embrace your darkness. You live in your darkness. And you pray that it does not go away until God has showed you what you need to see for the next leg of the journey that will be there. Please understand this as we close today. Moses didn't need less Pharaoh 
Moses didn't need less problems. Moses didn't need less anxiety. Moses needed less Moses. And by the 10th plague, that's exactly what he had. We'll get there next week. You are ready for the work. You are ready for the wilderness. You are ready for the journey. When your ego has been completely dismantled. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. The mysterious work of God. The confusion, the doubt, the blame game with God, the worry. Some of you are in the thick of it right now. I want to give you a second, if you want to, to write this down on your Connect card so that I can be praying for you this week. If you want to come up and use this altar, I want to invite you to do stuff. Guys, an altar is a powerful place because it actually gives you, when you walk back to your seat, you have the ability to leave something here. That's what's so powerful about it. If you need this altar, if you need to grab someone with you, as long as you have a mask, I want to invite you to come forward. If you need to write things down on your Connect card this morning, the goal is to understand that it's time for some of us to stop playing God. And it's time for some of us to understand and trust in what we can't see. Father, we come to you this morning a people with no hope outside of you. Father, with everyday troubles, with everyday problems that do not separate us simply because we're followers of Jesus and we trust in you. Father, I pray that you convict us. I pray that you break us down. I pray that you open us up to the work that you are going to do amongst us. Father, as long as we cling to confusion and problems, and doubt and fear and annoyance and all of these things as our enemies and not something that has the ability to hold us up. There will be very little change. And God, as long as we need the details written out for us every single morning about what's supposed to happen for that day, we will never be able to embrace the beauty of the mystery of God. Break our hearts for you. We pray these things in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit.